The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. Not a ton going on across the NFL right now, but the Kansas City Chiefs do get underway with voluntary organized team activities coming up next week. So we'll start things off today with Out of Structure. They made their much-anticipated return and had plenty to discuss about the Chiefs' official schedule and the pros and cons of Kansas City playing so many primetime games. After that, we'll catch up with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We actually had an organized team activities preview, posing some questions we're hoping to get answers to when the Chiefs take the practice field next week. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Show and BK. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. And we're back on the Outer Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cop Jr., who is on the spot as we speak with our Would You Rather I asked Ron before break, would you rather have an easy first half of the schedule and a more difficult second half, or would you rather that be reversed? Uh, Which way do you think works better, Ron? I think I would rather have the hard part later in the season. I think think even if the easy part is first and you kind of maybe get a big head because you're beating teams that aren't as good as maybe you're going to be playing – I think it's important you kind of, you know, you get ready for the playoffs by playing the tough teams. You don't kind of walk into the playoffs on a win streak because you've been playing some beaten up teams or something, you know, or, you know, low, lower teams. So I think I'm going to say I'd, I'd rather, and, and, you know, when we talk about schedule, I kind of think the schedule kind of lines up that way to an extent where it's the, you know, the it's lighter maybe in the first half and harder in the second half. So I think I would rather have it that way. I think you can make a case that the, the other way around would be better if you, you know, get battle tested early on, get up to speed, and then right. uh, maybe you have uh, injuries and things. You can kind of, uh, you know, get healed up, get right before the playoffs with a, a little bit less daunting second half down the stretch. Uh, but, yeah, you, I think you're probably right. I think you want your team hit on all cylinders and in playoff football mode when it's playoff time. But as you see, as you mentioned, this year's schedule, it's not the same – gauntlet that we thought we had uh, in in 2022 it's not the easiest schedule in the world but it is it looks a little bit uh it looks a little bit different just the way it's laid out i don't know how to describe it yet what do you, what's your overall take on the schedule the schedule is funny to me it just it it's it starts with kind of opponents that maybe we don't always see in chief's kingdom uh you know especially if, like if you're going out to a game you don't expect to see the lions uh you know at at home Apparently the last time they played an arrowhead was in the Trent green era. Uh, you don't expect to see the bears, uh, you know, at homes. And those are the two first home games kind of, and those are prime time home games, dude. I, I, in terms of just, you know, arrowhead, I, I love a cold arrowhead. Don't get me wrong, but you know, those September games are nice because you know, it's, 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 it's warm outside. Everyone can, you know, tailgate all day. Um, and you, you know, lions and bears, man, I, it, it kind of leaves a little weird taste in my mouth. And then the, the other opponents in the first five weeks are Jaguars, Jets, and Vikings. So just kind of a weird start to the schedule. Just a lot of, uh, teams you don't see a lot. Obviously the jets are going to be good this year. Uh, you think, I mean, who knows for sure, but, uh, you, you think they should, you know, they were a good team last year. They were a competitive team last year. 
I think the Jaguars is going to be a tough game too, but overall stags, I just, it's kind of a funny start to me. I just kind of some weird opponents and I'm not a big fan of the lions uh, as the week one uh, uh, opponent. I don't know. I don't need to go on the rant, uh, you know, quite yet. Maybe I want to get your takes too, but uh, we can talk about it. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's a little more symmetrical maybe than last year's because you've got three division games in the first half, three division games in the second half. You've got, um, you know, the, the big turning point to me, I mean, it, it, and again, quite literally turning point of the schedule, Dolphins in Germany, then a bye week, then the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Like that's going to be, that stretch is going to be really fascinating. That's going to be really exciting to see uh, how they handle, you know, the trip to Germany, the Tyreek Hill matchup, and then the, the Super Bowl rematch all in, in a span of, of, of back-to-back games, essentially. Yeah, no, I, I wish Tyreek was coming to Arrowhead. I, I, I can't lie. That would have been fun. It would have just been kind of a fun experience to kind of see that, how the fans reacted, kind of if he did have a big play, kind of how it would look and stuff. But it is going to be cool. I, I think I, I, I can't remember if I've said this on the airwaves yet, but I do think it's a really cool way for or it's a cool matchup for the Chief, or for the NFL to put on the international stage, you know, put in another country because, you know, you're putting the best team in the NFL on one side and then you're putting probably the most electric group of offensive skill position players on the other side of the ball, right. especially because they've upgraded it even in the draft with a guy like Devon A-Chain, the Texas A&M running back. I mean, with the Shanahan offense that they have, the way they use, he is going to have some big plays as well. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about him during the season. So it, they've got a lot of speed, and, and it's just kind of a fun uh, display game to be international, but wish it would have been an arrowhead. Absolutely. I think that's the right take. Well, we do have a question from Max at Dismax44 on Twitter. With the schedule out now, if you had to rank our opponents into a list of tiers, most exciting to least exciting, what teams are at the top and the most excited about matchups, and what teams are at the bottom in the least exciting matchups? I, I took the liberty of doing this uh, into two tiers here, and, and you can tell me where you agree or disagree to me, the most exciting matchups, and this is in no particular order within the tier, but the most exciting matchups are the Jets. I think the Lions this year are going to be a fun matchup. Uh, the Jaguars, the Eagles, the Dolphins, as, as discussed. Of course, the Chargers games are always exciting, both of them. Uh, and then the Bengals. That's the top tier, most exciting matchups. The bottom tier uh, I've got the Vikings, the Broncos, and the Raiders, just because you know that's <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a mess again, probably. Uh, Packers uh, without Aaron Rodgers, the, the Patriots, and, and the Bears. Although the Bears are an up and coming team, I think that they might, they could be fun at least in the next couple of years, but I'm not sure it's going to be that fun for Bears fans this year. Yeah, no, I, the Bears are going to be a fun team early in the season, too, when they have optimism. That'll be a fun game to be at because Justin Fields will make some plays and, you know, test the defense for sure. But I, I do have beef with the Lions, the, the week one Lions opponent, uh, you know, Super Bowl banner night. You have so many good home opponents you could choose from. I mean, a Chargers game even is a great AFC West opponent. You could have the Tyreek storyline right away. I mean, honestly, I would have been a good one. You could have the Eagles, obviously, coming into Arrowhead yeah. on Banner Night, being revengeful. You could have the Bengals, obviously. They just saw, they just lost in Arrowhead last time they played. You could even have the Buffalo Bills, who just played on Banner Night last year, so that would make sense why they wouldn't. But still, another AFC-quality opponent. It's not that I don't. I'm not excited about the Lions tags. I do think they're going to be a good team this year, qualify for the playoffs probably. They're going to have an, a, an exciting offense. But it just feels like everyone's kind of jumping the ship on the excitement. Like, let them prove to us first, and then we can – like, let's have them next year take on the Super Bowl opponent week one. Let's, let's, let's have them in prime time, you know, when they prove it later in the season, when they, you know, we can flex to them, you know, because they are contending for the playoffs. I just feel like week one, you're throwing them into the Lions then. Um, pun in, no pun intended uh, because they are the Lions. Uh, but they're going, they are going to get eaten up in Arrowhead, I feel like, week one. I just, I don't know. I just feel like Dan Campbell is as much, uh, you know, espresso drinks, you know, uh, 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 as he can drink. You know, he, I just don't think he's going to have him excited enough for, uh, you know, to, to beat the Chiefs on banner night like the Chiefs will have. I just feel like they, they miss an opportunity, man. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the Lions could have been a later in the season game, would have been a, a fun game later when they're kind of, you know, riding a hot streak or feeling themselves. 
they're just not going to, you know, have Jamison Williams this game either. They had some other suspensions. You know, they, they, they were dealing with some stuff there. I just wish it would have been later in the season, Stags. I wish they had some other opponents to take to take on week one. Yeah, maybe the Lions are too early both in the season and in their development for, for, for them to be uh, here so. on Banner Night. I, I get that. I, I think they're, they've got some exciting skill players that they've really turned over, uh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all fits together. Uh, but, yeah, it, it might not be hitting on all cylinders week one. I, I somehow left the Buffalo Bills off of my previous tiers. Obviously, they're in that exciting game tier. Oh, yeah. I would actually be pretty excited not to have to play the Bills in, in the regular season again because it's just going to be a slugfest. <laughs> but uh, I think that's uh, that would have been a very logical uh, early – I mean, I think the Eagles would have been the most logical game one. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, I will the, say – The Bengals early would have been would have been. Yeah, the Bengals would have been – I think that would have been really fun to do. But the Bills, I will say, this is the first time – I feel like we always play them early in the regular season. This is the first time we're playing them kind of later, maybe a little colder of a game, you know, more implications. You know, last, they've beaten us in the regular season, but it's never mattered because the, the rest of the season happens and we end up with a better record. But maybe this one will have a little more implications this time around. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun season, I think. And, and again, there's, there's at least enough – uh, intrigue throughout and, and they're spread out it's not like a gauntlet or a murderer's row of of super bowl team after super bowl team you got the eagles then you play the raiders and then and then the bills then you or sorry the packers then you got the bills then you play the patriots and the raiders again then you got the Bengals. you know so like the, at least there's a couple of games in between uh mm-hmm. the more difficult matchups and there's always something on this schedule every year that we underestimate or overestimate um uh, I'm sure you've already gone through and predicted the the the, the record. Uh, are are there any surprising losses you've got penciled in? Anybody that you think that is going to be uh, tough for the Chiefs to beat this year? I mean, watch out for Week Two. I think going into Jacksonville uh, early in the season when it's super hot, it's their home opener. They're obviously a good team. I mean, they just made the playoffs this last season. They beat the Chargers. They gave the Chiefs a pretty decent game in the, in in Arrowhead, although. Mahomes did beat them with one ankle um, and Chad Henney, you know, Chad did Chad Henney things to beat them. But they, I think, you know, Dougie P is going to be looking forward to that game. He's going to have them hot and ready uh, to roll that game. I could see the Chiefs maybe after, you know, an emotional high banner night, you know, kind of, you know, again, maybe throttling the Lions a little bit, kind of maybe not, you know, maybe not getting into regular season, kind of like the Cardinals game last year, you know, where they just didn't really feel like too much of a regular season game. I mean, it just kind of just happened and, all of a sudden, week two was the big game against the Chargers. I can see that being the case, and I can see Jacksonville uh, pulling something off right there. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles matchup is going to be brutal. Uh, I think they're going to be <laughs> uh, angry after losing the Super Bowl in the way they did. Uh, they've really loaded up their defense, and and I think that's even coming out of the bye. Uh, that's wow. going to be that's going to be tough. That's going to be a really really tough game. Uh, I would not be surprised to see them lose that game. I also think. Um, that the Chargers at the end of the season in January, that's going to be a tough matchup. But also, you know, the Chiefs could could easily have already clinched their their playoff spot, and that that might not be a game that they take as serious as the Chargers, who who might be fighting for their playoff lives at that point. So you might see you might see the the Chargers in Week 17 there as a potential, or Week 18, I guess, the 17th game. <laughs> Uh, as a potential loss as well. Yeah. No, the thing about the Bills game, I will say, is it is after the Bills bye week. So they are coming off a bye week going into Arrowhead. I think that gives them a good advantage in a late season game where the Chiefs will be coming off two road games, although against the Raiders and Packers, who shouldn't be too too terribly, uh, you know, tough this year to beat. But we'll see. Yeah, and then the Jets will be another really interesting game early in the season. That'll be fun. Again, a, a team that's just completely flipped their roster uh, around Aaron Rodgers and and this is you know they they had a good draft as well they had some really uh, I think some picks that are going to be uh, pretty early impacts so that that might be another team that uh, uh, that will jump up and bite some folks I I don't think they're at that level yet I don't think they're going to have it all ready to go by October 1st but uh, uh, it's one not to take too lightly it's one of those things, though. I mean, when you watch them last year, a lot of times it did really feel like all they needed was a quarterback. And they really do, for the most part, have the same team, if not a better team, because their younger t- players will be developing. So 
you know, Rogers just may not be that, you know, maybe he's not as, as good as he used to be, but he still may give them a little better than they've had. And, and that could be a, a dangerous playoff team. So they are, they're going to be a fun team to follow. I'm excited to kind of see how they, how they work. Plus I'm not going to lie. McCole Hardman revenge game. They, uh, they're, there they're wide go. receiver room. There is you gonna, go. It's going to look better with Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, uh, and, and McCole Hardman uh, added to that group. I think it could be, could be kind of interesting there. Um, and yeah, their their defense is, is pretty solid. So it's gonna be yes, uh, it's gonna be no joke there for sure. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show, we welcome in our wonderful Arrowhead Pride podcast producer Steve Serta. He's gearing up for vacation. Tell everybody where you're going, Steve. Um, I am gonna go to the mountains in Colorado. I don't actually really I don't really nice. know where we're camping. Um, my we friends may not see Steve there. again is, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, <laughs> my friends live there. And so we do this every year. We go on like a five-day camping trip or whatever. And he kind of books all of the stuff. I just show up and go camping and let them figure out all the details of it. You know, I know that uh, quite obviously a lot of Chiefs fans dislike the, the Denver Broncos. But as far as rival cities... I always felt like this on, you know, growing up on the East coast about Boston, you hate the teams, but damn, Denver's a nice city. And so same thing with Boston. I, I really enjoyed visiting Boston in those times. I, you know, you were going to those Yankee Red Sox games or, or whatever you did. Uh, Denver's a, a very cool place to, to visit breweries and hiking and, and whatnot. And I, I, I tend to sometimes compare Kansas city to Denver when you, when you're talking about the cities that are like up and coming second tier cities. I, I wouldn't be stunned if, if you see a migration at Kansas city at some point here, John, you got something you're, you're itching to say something, John, what? I, I, I was going to say, who are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> who are you, Pete? Yeah, that's right. I thought Denver, I knew you were in good town. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that we can well, agree on. I think you don't have to like the Broncos, you know, to, to, to enjoy Denver. You can, well, I've been to Denver several times and it's, and it's, I, I don't know how I would, uh could argue against it because it is a beautiful city and they've got some great things happening there i just don't i'm upset enough by the rivalry that i just don't want to accept that i guess is all i'm saying i'm only spending one night i go to denver sleep there first night and then we go camping the rest of the time then i come home to the airport let's let's make sure that we curb this by saying the incomplete chant is is the worst chant in sports i mean it is it there's nothing worse than the incomplete (laughs) chant so we we've we've brought this equilibrium of the arrowhead pride uh podcast back um you know to 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 glory here okay let's get into otas uh this is starting next week we know that OTAs begin. I'm gonna let me get my day right here. Uh, they actually begin on Monday, um, May 22nd. Uh, they run three days a week. These first three weeks, May 22nd to the 24th, May 30th to June 1, and June 6th to the 9th, they're voluntary. So sometimes you you don't see um, players uh, at these certain weeks. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, this one of the weeks is usually Patrick Mahomes' golf tournament. So even Mahomes isn't there on one of the, the weeks, what we've seen in, in recent years. Um, there is a mandatory mini camp from June 13th to the 15th. We have media. So the next time you'll hear from Andy Reid is a week from today. And this is a good time to tell you because of me being at the one media uh, opportunity per week that we get next Wednesday, and then the uh, press conference after we'll actually have the Arrowhead Pride editor show on Thursday of next week. So keep that in mind. If you're looking for it in your podcast feeds, it will pop up on Thursday, not Wednesday. Uh, Steve, uh, it will be off, I believe, but we'll make sure they get the from the podium going. Kramer is going to help us out on the, the editor show. So we're looking forward to seeing what is finally this full 90 man roster next week. And going into OTAs, I think we all have a, a number of, of questions. And so we're going to go in a, a circle here. Let's go counterclockwise and we'll start with John. Uh, John, what is your first burning question of OTAs? I think the tight end question is right up there. I think you've already hit on this. I'm I'm just going to go right along with you there that this would be an excellent question to get answered is whether or not the Chiefs intend to uh, have a tight end on the team, uh, not a tight end, a fullback on the team uh, this year. Did I say tight end all the way through that? You okay. were you were starting, uh, yeah. You you said tight end, but that's because 
we heard already addressed fullback on the show. And right, you are, right. You're suggesting the Chiefs fullback is Blake Bell, um, from what I can tell at this right. stage. Right, uh, or a player like him. Yeah, somebody who can who can function effectively as a lead blocker, and that's probably Blake Bell in this instance. Um, so, or maybe some other guy. They've got a couple other tight ends on the roster as well. So I think that'd be a very interesting thing to address with with Andy Reid uh, that we've already covered on the show. Steve, uh, since since John and I have just beaten this fullback horse to a pulp, do you have any <laughs> other commentary on the, the fullback situation? Um, no, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think Blake Bell could easily just be a fullback. Um, I, I think the other tight ends they have, they can rotate in and it's fine. Uh, All right, let's go to your first question then. What is your first OTA question? Um, for me, it's really just kind of about the defensive line. And like, as you mentioned, these are voluntaries, at least the first part of them are. So, you know, I I don't know if we're necessarily going to see the chief stars there, but one guy that I would expect to see there is Charles Amenahu because he's a free agent acquisition and coming into a new team. Like you kind of expect even those veteran players, even at the voluntary stuff to kind of just show up and, start getting used to the way that organization runs things. And I'm just curious to see what his role really is because yeah. Brett Beach has said that he thinks of him as a defensive tackle. He's right. a guy in San Francisco who played inside and outside. And we know that Mike Dana did that for them last season. So I'm just curious if they're really just going to plug him in the middle or if he is going to be kind of an inside outside guy. And we probably won't get a ton of answers on that. I just want to see how they start deploying him out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And to piggyback off that one, just in general, when you talk about the defensive line, will Chris Jones be there, right? Is Chris Jones so annoyed that maybe contract negotiations that we're not hearing about this time around, um, I, there's not been a new deal, you know, as far as we know, is he still just going to show up to, to OTAs? I tend to think he will, but I think you do have that slight wonder as to whether or not this is, is bothering him. And sometimes even when you don't see a tweet or you don't see a comment publicly you can tell that it's not a, in a good place if, if they don't show up to to otas one thing i do know john is we are not really allowed to talk to andy Reid because these are voluntary as he will remind us for any veteran that is missing um they are not obligated under contract to be there right and he'll he'll be certain to remind us when we get to those questions i would just point out that um you know, yes, Chris Jones has tended a couple of times not to be at OTAs when there's a contract negotiation going on. But I don't think a guy who is every day tweeting that the Chiefs should re-sign Frank Clark is a guy who's going to be missing any practice time. Right. I'm just I'm just thinking that that's a kind of gives us a different view into what Chris Jones is thinking is at this point. I tend to agree with you that jones can, can, might actually a, be there look i'm a i'm a big chris jones fan big chris yeah, jones fan yeah. he's excellent all pro yeah. all these years the chiefs need him if they're going to repeat yada yada can someone let him know that the sooner he signs his contract the sooner there'll be well, space for frank clark like right, doesn't that, right. that doesn't one have to happen before the other i know you're doing a twitter campaign <laughs> well and to john's point i i do think that the conversations that they're having around this extension are a lot more positive than the conversations yeah. that we're having around the last extension. Like right. Chris Jones was legitimately upset and probably deservedly. So last time he was up for extension and it had to get drawn out because they couldn't come to terms on a deal. It does not seem like that's the case this, this time around. And Brett Beach has mentioned multiple times, like they're working on it. They're trying to get it done. So it seems like it's going to get done, but the later we get into the summer that this thing's not done, then you got to start to worry a little bit. Sure. I'm just, I'm just curious about this one. I, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. Uh, we don't need to get into a whole conversation about the Jones contract, at least on this show. But 28 years old, really entering that window where Brett Beach doesn't love to pay because you got to imagine he would want a three or four deal bringing him that age 32 season. Is this finally the outlier that has the Chiefs pivot from – you know, their, their general strategy in these particular situations that you never know. I, we were in a place right where Tyron Matthew kept coming up and you're like, Oh, the chiefs will definitely find a way to make sure that Matthew's here. Yeah. And it didn't happen. You know, it yeah. didn't happen. So it, it is, it is a, a place of intrigue for me. Um, my initial question has to do with the uh, running back position. 
Isaiah Pacheco, to my knowledge, is not going to participate in this camp. Uh, so my question is, is Clyde edwards Lair going to be taking the first reps at running back? I tend to think yes. And so I'm very eager to see uh, how they operate. I know that Deneric Prince, the UDFA, will be in the mix. I know that Jerry McKinnon will be in the mix. But when it comes to that early down back, Isaiah Pacheco is watching on the sidelines. It's got to be Clyde, right? It's got to be. Right. I think that actually, in fact, uh, later later on today, there will be an article where I express this opinion on arrowheadpride.com. I actually think that Edward Zilaire is the backup for both mm. Pacheco and McKinnon. Spicy. Because, because he's got the, the, the ability to, to run between the tackles. He's got the ability to catch the ball on third down. Um, you know, not to the same extent either one of those other players. That's why he's the backup. But this is not going to be a situation where uh, I don't think is going to be a situation where Edwards Alaire is out there getting snaps, significant snaps in every game. I think he's on the roster specifically to be a backup player, much like Ronald Jones was last yeah. season. And in his case, I think it's going to be a backup to both of the players who will be getting significant snaps. That is Pacheco and McKinnon. Yeah, and I, I think you're spot on with that. And the biggest thing with Clyde is his pass blocking too. Like, right, Jack McKinnon is a spectacular pass blocker. Clyde is not. Like, right. yeah, there's right. a there's a reason they don't deploy him that way. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, and look, you, you got to remember too. That, I mean, we should preface this, and I probably should have said it before we started with our questions. This is generally a passing camp. There's no hard hitting, and so you can only take so much from this. But there are some intriguing questions that we're going to be at least trying to to monitor. Steve, uh, Steve, will snake back around uh, to you, and then John, and then I will uh, close it up. Um, I, I know you guys have talked wide receivers a lot, but this is going to continue to be the biggest thing that I'm paying attention to this off season, and through workouts and once we get into training camp, it's just kind of how they deploy these guys. And I know, you know, it's deep right now. There's a lot of bodies and you guys were talking about like them actually carrying seven wide receivers, which I, I think they will as insurance this year, because there's never been this many question marks in that wide receiver room. So it, it's really just about how they're going to deploy these guys and who it seems like, like we know MVS is going to be a starting wide receiver. And then is it Tony and Sky Moore or is Richie James like, is he looking that good that he's going to find his way into like a starting role as a wide receiver? We know Justin Watson's not that guy. And then you add in Rasheed Rice, Justin Ross, and, and just all the bodies that they have. Like, I, I'm just curious to see how those guys are in the mix. And we've got so many questions about the wide receiver room as a whole, or at least I do, that it's going to be what I'm paying attention to most this summer with the Chiefs. And it's not even close to like anything else. Yeah, I think for me, it's how do they fit into roles? Uh, more of a training camp question for me. Like, who's the new McCole Hardman? Because you know, I tend to think that Sky more because they were training him, you know, to be that. Who's the new mm -hmm. Juju? Yeah. Right? Is that right. the Rasheed Rice role? Um, my question more for OTA is that you know, as I'm going to be watching next Wednesday, is is can Rasheed Rice breathe a little bit better? We had mentioned during our our recap that he <laughs> was a little bit winded. Andy Reid was open with that um, in in a special Andy Reid way to not criticize him too much publicly, but I I think there had to be some conditioning these past 13, 14 days since rookie. Uh, mini camp, John. Yeah, uh, I'm also interested to know uh, how they are viewing the defensive line. I think that's a, a good question as we go into things. I don't think we're going to learn a lot during OTAs, yeah, because they're not going to be you know hitting during this thing. But uh, I'd really, I'm very intrigued by this positionless defensive line that we keep hearing about, yeah. and I really feel like the Chiefs are moving very close to being exactly where they want to be to run this kind of a line and i'm 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 very intrigued by it and i think it could end up being a a very significant thing towards the success of the defense this season so i'm i'm very interested in 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 that particular aspect of the defense yeah i i think that is worth wondering about i i think that plays into steve's point about amenahu and where he's going to line up i think mm -hmm. just in general where these defensive players are lining up is intriguing to me i'm always curious about the inside outside versatility of like 
Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie. I know that they've wanted to maybe have Sneed be that lockdown island guy. We saw a little bit of that, you know, especially toward the end of last year. Uh, are they going to continue going in, in that direction and, and having Trent McDuffie be more of that inside guy where you stick Sneed on the best and tallest receiver that the other team has? Um, but more of an extension to that point, to, to squeeze two questions into one, how the hell does Drew Tranquil <laughs> fix into the into yeah. that mix? Mm-hmm. Because you had a scenario where I think the Chiefs were pretty comfortable with um, Nick Bolton and, and Willie Gay. And before they knew it, you know, Drew Tranquil just became available. They thought he was a good player and said, in, in a sense, it, in a minor sending, was why not take the leading tackler on the rival Chargers and throw him into this mix and Maybe he's a, a better guy in coverage than Willie Gay or Nick Bolton, and maybe he eats up some of those snaps. And I think where he lines up in um, OTAs will just be the beginning of that conversation that will extend uh, to training camp. So. I think he's a backup guy, but I think he's a backup guy that gives Steve Spagnuolo uh, an opportunity to apply some creativity to the second level of the defense that he hasn't had up until this point. The fact that he can be play the Mike linebacker position gives uh, Spagnuolo the opportunity to take uh, Bolton off the field to rest him. You know, this is they, they always want to rest the defensive linemen and rotate them in and out, but Bolton has been on the field for every snap the last the last season, certainly. And I wonder if they'd like to give him a little time off and Tranquil gives them that opportunity to do that I, and, and do some other things perhaps in place of gay I, on certain I, plays. So this could be very interesting too. There was also a period last year where the, the biggest uh, chief's Twitter question was, what is Darius Harris doing out there when we have Willie gay? <laughs> I think it's now the answer is like, we have a better quality player there to give gay yeah. some reps off. Sure. I'm curious to see how Leo Chanel fits into all of this, but Drew yeah. Tranquil is a, a he's a talented, like super athletic linebacker who can do multiple things for you, and that's the exact guy you want backing up your starters because he can come in and play multiple sure. positions. Yeah, right. No, exactly right. All right, thank you to Mountain Man Steve for his contributions here <laughs> in the in the OTA questions. All right, this, all right. Listen, schedule came out. Chief schedule came out. We knew what the the the, the teams were going to be, but we didn't know the order. And now that we see the order, now we see how this thing falls together. Like I look at the schedule, fellas, and 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 I will take feedback. There was a point in time in my life, especially in this sports media business, where you know I felt like I was really right ninety five percent of the time, and not really open to hearing another side on discussions, but now I've really grown and I am open to hearing things like I, I am not confident in this because I think there are some holes, but it feels like to me and I, and it feels unfair. And I'm, I'm coming to you guys to tell me if this is unfair, but when I saw the schedule, this was my feeling. I saw the schedule start come out. I said, man, the chiefs have reached this LeBron status, this Patriot status, where the regular season really does not matter to the Chiefs anymore. Like, they're not defined. They're not looked at. They're not judged by what they do in September, October, November, and December. They're just not. Like, it's a, all right, we have to play these games to get to the place where it matters, the playoffs. And I felt it was that way the year they lost to the Bucks and the Bengals. I felt with, when they were Tyreek, they won their Super Bowl. They moved to it. It was just like, it doesn't matter. Man, who cares if we win 15 games? Who cares if we go 14-2 and two at the time? It's just really about what we do in the regular season. And then we lose in the Super Bowl and all hell breaks loose. Right? It felt like it was that way. Last year felt a little different. But this year, I feel like it's unfair because – when I think in my head of like how many guys have been around this 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 team that's been to five straight AFC championship games and three Super Bowls, it's really not that many guys, right? It's like Mahomes, Jones. Is Marcus Kemp a part of that group? I'm sorry, Marcus Kemp, is he? Has he's he gone. Been, he's gone. He's, damn, he's gone. Yeah, oh, it's God, over. I, yeah, he's out of here. 
I mean, after the the three, the, like that core three of Jones, Kelsey, and and Mahomes, like it's like Clyde, who who BK despises in a football sense, <laughs> not as a person, but in a football maybe sense. both, honestly. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe both. Maybe just hates him as a person. Uh, like, but Clyde's probably next. He's he's been he was there when they lost to the Bucks. So I mean that. So it, I feel like it's a bit unfair because it's not like this is a group that's just been through everything when you look at, like, the Patriots, how many guys they had on it. But it does feel like they've reached that point where the regular season really doesn't matter and who gives a rip. They just got to win enough games to get to the playoff part, which is where they're really just. I feel like it's unfair, though. Am I wrong on this, or is Derek Nottie like the fourth longest tenured chief right now? Derek Nottie. Is I mean, that true? Yeah. Yes. Gotta be. He's yeah. a part of a lot of this. This is what, year five for yeah, Derek Nottie? 2020 or 2018 was when he was drafted. I, I'm trying to go through the roster real quick to see, no, like, am no, I missing not, something? I did, I did this. I was like, well, it's really not that many guys. It's that crazy. Have been here in a long time. Like, so I feel like, I feel, so part to me feels like that's unfair to say. Yeah, man, they're they're in this space where man, they're not just because they got a lot of newness to this team. So but I think there's that way. I think there's two different ways to look at this. I think what you're saying is absolutely true. Like, what are they going to be defined by? What are they going to be evaluated by? Well, whether it's be via, via fans or like national analysts, it's going to be by what they do in the postseason. If they go ten and seven or fourteen and three in the regular season, nobody's going to care. Now, people are going to think it's really weird if the Chiefs end up going 10 and 7 this year, and they'll be like, I don't really understand how that happened. Maybe there's some injuries, whatever, but they'll be defined by, okay, they were 10 and 7 in the regular season and then went to the Super Bowl, right? Or, and then failed in the playoffs and something horrible went wrong with the season. But really, the regular season isn't where this team is defined, not any longer. They're not like the Titans. They're not like uh, the Vikings. They're not like the Giants, who last year had a great regular season and everybody called it a success. The Chiefs could go 15-2 and this year, losing the first round of the playoffs, and that is a failure for them because of what happened to them in the postseason. And so I agree with you in that regard. That being said, I think the regular season last year started to matter again. Like, I, I thought that was part of the enjoyment of the year. It's why last year was my favorite Chiefs season with Mahomes at the helm. is because, like, the journey through the regular season felt meaningful. Because they were trying to figure out who they were as a team. And I think there is some of that to this year as well. Like, they do have some more established chemistry. Like, you have a year under their belt with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And technically, Sky, War, Sky Moore was a part of the system last year. But you're, you're kind of still trying to incorporate Kadarius Tony as your legitimate number one wide receiver. I'm not totally sure how the roles are going to break down with, with this receiving core. There has been a decent amount of turnover with this defense going into the season. So I do still think they're kind of evolving. And so for that reason, me as a fan, I'm actually looking forward to the regular season, even though it's not what they're defined by. Let's see what you're saying. And, and sort of, I feel like it's unfair for me to, to do that because of the newness. Like you talked about that, like, I mean, how am I going to come through here, man? You're, all right, you're leading wide receiver. Who was it? Juju. He's out of here. McCole Hardman, somebody who's been around. He's out of here. Hey, what about tackles? Oh, you got two brand new tackles this year. Uh, they're out of there. Like, there is someone. Juan Thornhill, he'll, he's out of here. Like, there, there is a lot of newness. We'll see. Frank Clark's not on the team right now. Now, obviously, Chris Jones will, is going to fight tooth and nail daily and using social media to try to guilt Brett Veach and Andy Reid into bringing him back. Um, but like it, it's like, mm. well, like there's so many things that, that, that is, that are new, but the still, the thing that comes off is they came off winning a Super Bowl, and Kelsey Mahomes, Chris Jones are still there. And I still view this as, I don't even care what they do in the regular season. I don't even care the schedule. Like, I don't even, like, I look at it, I don't even view it as like, oh, the schedule came out. Ooh, I'm not even looking at it. It's just like, all right, man, just do what y'all need to do to get in the playoffs, and that's when it really matters. And I feel like that's unfair to do to a team that everything you just explained, BK. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's unfair because, yeah, when you're in this territory, when you're who Patrick Mahomes is, like, that's the expectation but yeah like bk was saying them showing more of an urgency in the regular season last year and that doesn't mean they didn't have stinker games like they always do like 
they went to overtime with the Malik Willis Tennessee Titans and won that game 20 to 17. Like there's no absolutely no reason that game should have gone to overtime. It only been 20 to 17, but they still have those games occasionally. But I, I think there's a case to be made that last season moving on from Tyreek Hill and, and not having that crutch that they had become so reliant on to make these game breaking plays when they really needed them was really important for Mahomes and it was really important for Andy Reid because I think we got the best version of Andy Reid last season that we had gotten in a couple of years. And so now with all the young players that they're still trying to build around and we've talked a ton about the offensive line and the wide receiver group, they're still figuring that out. So I don't think that they can take those weeks off the way that they used to. And I think Mahomes knows that too. And that's why we saw him um, – express like how involved he was that's why he's running his own wide receiver camp in texas now in the off seasons basically and even he's mentioned after they won the first one he thought we're gonna win them every year we're gonna rattle off four in a row and then he learned how difficult it was and that's why after this one after the second one he was like i know how hard it is now and that's why this one means even more than the first one did so I think they're still going to sleepwalk through games, but uh, I, I think they know that the expectation is Super Bowl or bust moving forward, basically. You know, I'm listening to you say that and listening to how you started, especially at the beginning, BK, I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And this and this and anybody who've, who've been teammates of LeBron have felt this. Teammates, I think, of Brady as well is – see, I'm – it's – it is that feeling for Mahomes. For Mahomes in particular, it is that feeling of, hey, y'all, dog, dog these regular, this regular season stuff don't matter for Mahomes. But, but maybe I'm pushing that on the team, too. Because for Mahomes, it really doesn't, doesn't matter. Like I, I guess you could say maybe, maybe he's looking to get more MVPs to catch, you know, Peyton or something. But really, like, that's not what you're going to be defined for or defined by. But the team, maybe that's unfair. But I, I'm, I'm mixing up Mahomes and the team together because Mahomes is on that track, and that that would, and and like I bet you, like a guy like Anthony Davis had to feel that before he won a championship, or or a guy like Ky, Kyrie had to feel that because when you're when you're on LeBron's team and now when you're on Patrick Mahomes' team, it's Super Bowl or bust, whether or not you're. It's fair or not. And that's that's where the Chiefs are. So, yeah, maybe that's just – it's because of who they have that is why it, it, it's that space. It's why I think it's really important to make sure that you're turning the roster regularly. Like, I think it's important to get guys that are hungry. And whether that be young guys, guys that have not won elsewhere, um, bringing in a couple of guys that have won elsewhere that have the need to prove themselves yet again, like – I think those guys are really important to bring in because I do think it can get stale. Like I know Ron, you're a big basketball guy. So you look specifically at the warriors, right? It's really hard to recreate that hunger every yes. single year when you've won the way that they have. And the chiefs are that team in the NFL right now. And so when you're bringing back the same team over and over again, and this is where I think they got whenever they went into the off season and, and decided to make the move with Tyreek Hill was, we can redo this. We can run it back with Tyreek. It can be really good. But eventually, we're going to have to make some changes. And it did feel like the year prior, things did get a little bit stale. And there were reasons to believe, hey, maybe if we reallocate these resources in a different way, we can actually make it better despite the fact that we don't have one of the three best, conservatively speaking, wide receivers in the NFL as a part of our roster. So I like that Brett Veach is willing to do that. I think this year they've done a really good job of it by bringing in some guys on the offensive line, by bringing in uh, some of these defensive line linemen that are going to be a part of it. Like I, I think they've added new fresh blood that is going to feel like the regular season matters for them. When yeah. for many of the guys that have been around for a number of years, it really doesn't. And I, I think that they really illustrated that by just moving on from Tyron Matthew too, like based off of his final season in Kansas city where like, you could watch him for stretches of a game where it did not seem like he was putting forth very much effort at all. And cutting him was, was a good idea. It, it was the smart move and it was what they needed to do to try to, to move things around and try to make that secondary younger. And, and it was, it was a huge help to them. And I, I think that's just what you have to do when you have that superstar quarterback. Yeah. I, you know, 
I gonna uh, listen. I don't want to go crazy because I don't like people who do this. But I know there's some growth in this roster. But we said this in the last podcast, and I thoroughly believe this. There, there, there is some growth there. I think they have potential to be more talented than they were last year. I think I don't know. It's less proven at this point. But I think there is a potential at a lot of spots for them to be more talented than they were last year. Receiver, secondary, uh, offensive line, um, uh, defensive line, pass rush. I think they got a chance to be more talented. Man, I look at this schedule and especially how it was put together. Like we looked at last year's schedule, there were a lot of stretches where it's like, damn. Like, they had to get up. This isn't brought up. They got to get up every week to get things together. I look at this schedule. It's pretty split up. All of their tough games are at home. To me, their toughest games, when you think of Buffalo, Philly, and Cincinnati, they're all at Arrowhead, right? And Green Bay is obviously a lot different. Now, the Jets are better. They're two toughest road games, in my opinion. Like, as to me – yeah, you know, I don't know what Denver's going to be, so I don't I, I don't look at that, but I look at the Jets and the Jags as their toughest road games, and they kick this thing off against Detroit, who I don't think is going to be ready for that that spotlight. They could put up a really gaudy record if they if they come in and care about the regular season. Everything we just talked about, like if they come in and they're like, if there is any thought of, hey, we're gonna put real focus on trying to winning every one of these ball games and coming in with real focus all 17 weeks, whatever it is that the 07 Patriots struck up to do to get ready for every one of them games that they won. I'm not going to say undefeated or anything. I think they got a chance to put together a gaudy record. I I could see them being a 15 or two or even 16 and one type of a record. I, I, I know they have weird games, but I'm just saying if they put forth the focus, the way this schedule breaks up, like they could put together a gaudy, gaudy record. I'm not gonna I don't dis- know that they I don't know they care to, but they could if they wanted to. I'm not gonna disagree with you at all in terms of like this is a really good team. And I said coming out of the draft, I think it's as deep of a roster as we've seen because of the last couple of drafts, stacking them on top of one another and having that young talent on cost controlled contracts. Like that allows you to do some things with your depth that you this team didn't have previously with Brett Beach at the helm. That being said, like there's going to be some growing pains early on. There's going to be some games where like guys aren't getting open at wide receiver and they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do here? How do we manufacture these easy touches for guys? Kadarius Tony's going to get hurt. Like we know this is going to happen. He's going to miss multiple games this year. You're going to have probably a game where one of Donovan Smith or Jawan Taylor are just abysmal for you. Like weird stuff is going to happen for this team. And so while I want to get on here and just be totally with you, Ron, and say 15 and 2, 16 and 1, hell, why not 17 and 0? I'm just saying, I'm just saying the way the schedule sets up, if they went into every one of these games, because like the 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 big the big thing, like it's you got you as a Missouri fan, you're not quite used oh, to this. Oh, come on, man. So as a Kansas as a as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, now you're getting getting used to it. Like there's a Super Bowl champs. They have Patrick Mahomes. So like they're going to they're going to be every team's like every team is going to be up for them. And they've and they've had to deal with that here the last several years. And they but if they if they are there to say, all right, we're gonna match that every week, the way this thing breaks up, it's just they're just there's not a stretch of like anytime you say, All right, who are their tougher opponents? All right, it's Buffalo, but it's sandwiched in between Green Bay and New England who I think they can just work the hell over. All right. And then it's the bank. Like, their toughest stretch is the Bengals and the Chargers, back-to-back weeks. But those things are bookended by trips to New Orleans and home against the Raiders. Like, it's just – there's no, like, bam, bam, bam. There is no Jacksonville Jets by week, then Bengals, Bills. Right? There's no – and I don't – but I don't know if they will want to have – the focus, because I, I I know what you're saying. We sit here and watch this, and they have boo-boo games. That's, that's what I wanted to bring up. Like, what you're saying is totally reasonable, Ron, but we know who they lose to. 
They don't tip like they, do they lose one game see? to a contender every Who year? Do you see on this game? Sure. Who do they you see? Who do you lose see? a game to somebody that stinks. Who they do lose you see? to the dreaded Colts. They randomly lose to the Texans. They have a tough game. What was Never. that? 2019 where they're like they found a way miraculously to come back and beat the Detroit Lions on the road. Like weird stuff happens to this team. So I'm looking at week five who and I see, see Minnesota, who is terrible, genuinely terrible. And that's a game that I'm like, okay, they're, yeah, not, they're, definitely, oh, they're not terrible. Stop. They're horrible. They're, they were the biggest fraud I've ever seen in the postseason. Yeah, but they're not horrible. Not terrible. <laughs> they're not they terrible. still have Justin Jefferson. He's, they're going like six games this year. They're horrible. They're going to be last in that division. They're absolutely awful. They're going to be last. Their defense <laughs> yeah. is probably going to be bad. They're horrible. Uh, you guys just wait. We'll, we'll look back on this four months from now. Please. Six oh, months from please. now, whatever it is. You guys are going to say BK was right. Yeah, we'll see. When they're 11 and the six, min- Yeah, min- Minnesota Vikings. School. All you guys out there, you fans, your team stinks. They're terrible. Oh, there's no reason for you to um, this. October 8th of, on the, the good road. people of Duluth, Minnesota, there is no reason for you to go and just take out all of those people. It's beautiful up there this time of the year. Uh, on the road, 325 kickoff. Tony Romo going to be on the call for that one. Yeah, that's the one that they lose. They find a way to lose that one, like 20 to 13 for no reason whatsoever. And we all leave wondering what the hell just happened. I, I could see them having a Justin Jefferson licking his chops for that game and Kirk becoming inspired. But no, I I feel like Kirk trash. would just cave in that game. So. Like I, I just, but, but to me, it's not if in they, prime time. If they roll in this thing, if they roll in this thing with some sort of focus every time, sure, but they don't like, do that. We know this. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying they can. They, when you look at this schedule, the way it's put together, like you said, like they could go, they could go if they cared. If it meant that much to them, which I See, do not believe it does. If it meant that much to them, I think they're thinking the way I said moments ago. Sir, I think they're thinking, let's just get to the damn playoffs. Oh, shoot. Yeah. We, lo- but we, we I, dropped I think, one on the road somewhere. I think some of that comes from the top, too, though, because you can even point back to Andy Reid-led teams with Alex Smith where they would play teams that you were like, yeah, you're a much better team than they are. And then they just lose the game, and they'd play terrible offensively the entire time. Like, I, I just think it, it, it's sometimes it's a focus issue with, with Andy Reid-led teams for some reason – and that's why, like, I still think that they're they're easily winning 13, 14 games. But, like, if they wind up being, you know, 500 in an early stretch of the season, I also wouldn't be shocked by that at all either. 